Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week we conclude the series, Spiritual Warfare, based on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. The armor of God is activated and empowered through prayer in the Spirit. In today's episode, Armor, Prayer in the Spirit, you'll see how the role of prayer is preparing us for spiritual warfare. Here's Senior Pastor Perry Duggar. God is a God of revival. Does anyone think we are need revival in this land. Revival always comes by prayer. It'll be preceded by prayer. So if you're not praying that already, let me urge you, begin to cry out to God to send his spirit to bring revival. Today's the final message in this series. The uh, theme verse at the top of your outline, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. As I have taught numerous times, Paul wrote this letter to Ephesus, to the church in Ephesians, while he was imprisoned in Rome. And he was likely looking at the soldier that he was shackled to, to illustrate these protections that we've been given by God to battle the devil and his demons. So we turn again to this passage at the end of the book of Ephesians. And it is found on page 945 in this Bible that we sell here. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's not our strength. It's God's strength. It's God's power. And put on all of God's armor. So who owns the armor? It's always God's armor. We need to be careful that we sometimes think that we've received this and we empower it of ourselves. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies, the schemes, the plans of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, though we often think we are, don't we? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then our focus for today. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So in this series, we've reviewed our enemy's strategies. We've been oriented to the armor given to us by God to withstand Satan's assaults. But this armor does not operate automatically. Prayer activates, it empowers God's armor to resist Satan's attacks. Prayer prayer provides the needed power. It doesn't come from within ourselves. It's not 
greater willpower. It's actually empowered by the Spirit of God and it enables us to wear the armor, to wield the sword of the Spirit. Now, it's not merely the action of prayer. We can do that almost robotically at times, can't we? Rather, it's the activity of the Holy Spirit in and through prayer that produces intimacy with God and that's what strengthens us for battle. Our ability to stand against Satan's forces requires continual connection with God through not one-sided prayer, but through two-way conversations, talking and listening. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 tells us this, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. But see, that's an ongoing strengthening that comes as we develop a close relationship with him through prayer. And so we'll look at the role of prayer in spiritual warfare. Prayer first provides spiritual power to resist attacks. Now I'm using the NIV because the NIV is a little bit more literal. So we look at this verse The NIV uses more words. Sometimes the new living, which I I love in many instances, but you've heard me say this, sometimes they they sort of summarize a bit too much. The NIV is more of of a word for word type of translation. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Now that that word is prosukmai and it means general request and request, and that word is different. Two different Greek words, and they both can be translated prayer, and in many instances in the Bible, they are translated both prayer. This one uses the words request for a Greek word, desis, and what it means is specific petitions. So it's like pray for the country, pray for the church, pray for your small group, pray for your family. Pray broadly, Pray narrowly and specifically. So the use of these two different Greek words just means that we're to be involved in all kinds of prayer, in every kind of prayer. Now, what does praying on all occasions mean? Does that mean walk around speaking out loud to God? How well will that work at your office? It's not what it means. In fact, Jesus didn't pray that way, did he? He would go away to pray, but he didn't constantly spout prayers to God wherever he went. Neither did the apostles. So what it actually means to pray continuously or pray without ceasing, it says in Thessalonians, is to live in a continuous awareness of God, to be continually conscious of his presence, to be connected to him that way, in a way without ceasing. And if we remain in recurring connection with God, then we express to him whatever we think or feel. We'll say to him whatever we're experiencing in sort of a running dialogue, which is prayer. So you know what I'm saying, you stay connected to him, so you just continually talk about whatever's happening. 
Now, when Leanne and I, we like to watch movies and certain shows, you know, old shows mostly. Um, and so we're watching these shows and I like to comment on the shows as they go. <laughs> you know, I think, I think he's going to be the bad guy. Or this woman has been, was in another movie we saw. Now, how many of y'all think my dear wife enjoys that? Do you, hun? Where are you? Wherever she is. She doesn't. She doesn't. But I like to have a dialogue, you know? When I'm engaged in something, I enjoy the relationships. So Leanne accommodates me. And so I'll say, Leanne, I, I think this person might be the one that did this. And she'll go, what? <laughs> and I'll say, well, why'd you turn it off? Well, I'm, I'm letting you say what you want to say. And then she'll turn it back home. Now that doesn't work well with watching shows with Leanne, okay? And it may not be with you either. <laughs> you don't want to come to my house to watch these shows because I'm an irritation in, in shows. But God invites that. God invites us to be continually connected with him and whatever happens, we offer up. You don't have to stop and have this formal prayer. You just... God, what a, what a beautiful son today. God, this person's really struggling. Would you give your grace? Would you just continually as you encounter situations, you offer them up. You stay connected in that way. And then when we're spiritually attacked, I'd suggest we stop where we are immediately and cry out to God for help. Sometimes we know we're under attack and we just keep doing what we're doing, don't we? And we seem to suffer more and more and more. Stop. Stop the situation. Say, God, I'm, I'm experiencing attack. I'm experiencing, it may come as depression. It may come as anger. But will you show me what's happening and will you help deliver me right now? The most important, well, what do you think is the most important quality in prayer? Listening, that's a good, that's a good answer. That, the question is too broad, but I still want to see if y'all have an idea. Sincerity is, that's a good qualifi qualifier as well. Humility, those are all great suggestions, but the most important quality of prayer is that it be in the spirit. Otherwise, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere at all. Because it's the Holy Spirit who connects us to God. So in other words, to be connected to God in that way, we must be born again. And it's the Spirit who continues to communicate with God and to help us pray. Romans 8, y'all probably know this passage, but this is an important, important passage for us regarding prayer. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and it's on page 909. And the Holy Spirit helps us in weakness. And this is talking about in our humanity. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. You ever feel that way? Do you? Because here's the problem, even when we think we know 
what we ought to pray for. Often we don't anyway. Because we often don't know what our real needs are. Is that fair? We think we do. We think it's this thing in front of us or this thing that's frustrating us or this thing that's making us fearful. And God's saying, nope, what's behind that is what you need to be praying about. So we often don't know our real needs. And we certainly don't know the true needs of others from God's perspective. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Okay, all the charismatics are about to get mad with me. (laughs) Is this a reference to speaking in tongues? No. To glossolalia. That's the Greek. No. Why do I say that? Because that gift of speaking in tongues occurs in incidents in individual people. This passage is written for all. You don't have to have any special other additional gift for God's spirit to be speaking on behalf of you. And the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying. For the spirit pleads with us believers in harmony with God's own will. Does that give you comfort? Sometimes we fall into this trap thinking if we don't pray in just a certain way, God ignores. Anybody ever been there? If I don't say it just right, God's going to ignore me. We have to understand that it's not our prayers that God's responding to. It's the Spirit's prayers speaking for us. And the Spirit, you see, pleads, as this says, pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. Does that comfort you? And the Spirit knows your true needs. The Spirit knows the will of God. Now, there's nothing offensive for us to ask God for things that aren't in his will. We can't always know what his will is, but the Spirit of God does. And what prayers does God answer? All of them, but the prayers that are according to his will. The prayers that are according to his will. We pray as the Spirit prays for us. So we listen before we speak. And as we do, we get a sense of what the Spirit's saying and then our prayers are conformed to the concerns of the Spirit, which is in accord with the will of God. Does prayer change God? What? Prayer doesn't change God. So what's the purpose? Prayer changes us. It it conforms us to Jesus' likeness in our whole lives, the transformation. 
And as we pray by the Spirit's leading, we develop something truly wonderful that Paul mentions at 1 Corinthians 2.16. We develop the mind of Christ. And so as we begin more to think as Jesus thought and pray as the Spirit prays, which it will be, we will pray according to God's will. And as we grow in the ability to pray by the Spirit, remaining in God's presence, we receive the ability, the power, the strength to resist the assaults of Satan's soldiers. So are we learning to pray led by the Spirit according to the will of God? Are you learning? Prayer also presents a pattern for us to practice. Again, back to the NIV, Ephesians 6. With this in mind, be alert and always keeping keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Do you have a different translation for the Lord's people? What'd you say? Saints. Okay, I want every hand that that I want everybody to respond in, in some way. Do you think you are a saint? If you think you are, raise your hand. Hold them up, hold them up. I got to get a feel for this. You are a saint. Okay. Every hand should be up. Because I think this is what happens to us. When I say that, are you a saint? Your reaction is no. Because I have some sins in my life, some imperfections in my behavior. But if you hesitate to see yourself that way, you are not seeing yourself in the way God sees you. Because you are absolutely holy. You are completely perfect in the eyes of God. Is that hard for you to accept? If you can't accept it, you might be suffering from spiritual attack. Because Satan would love for you to see yourself as inadequate, as sinful. Because what it does is if you see yourself that way, you certainly won't announce that you're a believer. And you won't attempt to exercise influence over anyone else. So if Satan can convince you you're flawed and he can prevent you from seeing yourself as God sees you, he will shut you up. It works. Because see, when I ask you that and you didn't raise your hand, you almost felt better because you felt like you were more humble. 
by not raising your hand. And somehow you thought, oh no, it's arrogant for me to raise my hand. But that's a misunderstanding of who you are in Christ. You say, well, I mean, I can't say that. Well, here's the point. God chose you. God chose me. If he didn't get a good deal and he made a bad choice, that's on him. That's not on me. So look at it that way. That's what grace feels like. I've been chosen by God. He must have not looked me over very well. Is that what you feel like? He knew you completely. And he saw your potential and what you would become in him and chose you. But then when I, if you're listening to me, look at the difference that you already feel about yourself. And then you have the strength to exercise influence. So this verse says, always keep on praying. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. He's urging us, continue to watch and pray. Watch what's going on around us. Yes, pray for this nation. Yes, pray for this country. Yes, pray for this state, this county. Pray for this church. Pray for this community. But also be aware for what's happening within you, both spiritually and emotionally. And then concentrate on that as you express your prayers. We need this reminder to keep on praying. Because as we pray, we can become disappointed, frustrated, even angry. And certainly bored with prayer when the answers to the prayers that we're praying are delayed. So we give up. We stop praying. But the problem is when we stop praying, our focus is going to move from our faith to this world's distractions. When we're frustrated with God, he's not doing what we want and we disconnect, what are you gonna fill that time with? What are you gonna fill your mind with? What are you gonna fill your life with? Something around you. And we'll begin, we will begin to wander farther and farther away from God as we are consumed by the offerings and the enticements of this world. If you could put a mark right now on where your focus of your life is, is it in the presence of God or is it in the world? Because that's a perfect reflection of your spiritual health and maturity. The purpose of continual prayer is to keep our hearts and our minds aligned with God's. God's concerned about all of his children, but he wants us to be also. Many of us, we don't really become motivated to pray until a problem arises in our personal lives or the lives of someone we love or care about. And I'm not saying don't pray for yourself, we should certainly pray for ourselves and pray for those people who are the closest to us. But our, our prayers should not be solely self-focused. We become unlike Christ when we're 
consumed by only personal matters. And we are called to awareness and concern about others. We're encouraged by this verse to always keep on praying for all the Lord's people who are saints. Now again, do y'all know any saints? Let me see your hand if, you know, if you're a saint. Oh, that does my heart good. But saint means holy ones. And if you're hesitant to embrace that title, you don't yet understand the grace of God, the love of God for you. Your access is to God is because you are completely holy, otherwise you would not have access. Perfect, perfect. All of us need to be prayed for because every one of us are experiencing spiritual warfare in some way. The problem is we may not recognize it. We're, we're looking for something that's, you know, that's startling to happen. You know, chairs rising up in the air, plates flying off the wall. That stuff happens. But, but why would Satan do that to Americans? Because if he started doing that stuff, we would flee to, to Christ. He doesn't use that with us, or rarely uses that to us, with us. You know what he does with us? Slowly. But here's what he uses with us. He doesn't have to throw, you know, plates off the wall and make your bed rise up in the night and all that. He uses entertainment. He uses materialism. Because it'll make you drunk in a worldly, earthly way. You'll be consumed by this world and you will be no good in the realm of the spirit. But if he scares you, See, you'll come awake. But all of us are experiencing spiritual warfare. But right now, some of us need to say, okay, God, where am I experiencing spiritual warfare? Because this scripture says we all encounter it. So where's it happening to me? Lou, you know where it's happening? Some of us are overlooking it. And it's taken us down. It has taken us down. But we all need the armor that God's provided for us and that Paul has described in this passage. It's interesting to me. We, I think we, some of us assume, maybe y'all don't, y'all are ahead of me on this, but some of us have sort of felt like, okay, well, I'm, I'm saved. So I've, I've got the shield of, you know, the, of, uh, I've got the, the breastplate of righteousness. I've got the help of salvation. I already got all this stuff. So we don't really need to be prayed for. But it's interesting to me that when Jesus was about to leave his disciples, Luke 21, he said to them, Satan has asked to sift you. You remember this passage? That'd be a pretty scary thing, wouldn't it? Satan has asked to sift you. He's talking about all of them there, plural. 
And you would think he would say, but because you're saved, he can't touch you. That's not what he said. He says, but I will pray that your faith won't fail. Even Jesus thinks believers need to be prayed for to survive spiritual attack. So don't you think if he's praying, we ought to be praying for each other? And so we should always pray about the needs of others, especially other believers who are facing trials and missionaries who are serving. I mean, goodness, we have a long list of missionaries and some of them are, are serving in, in hostile places in, in India and in West Africa. And it's interesting that the scripture, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of our prayers tend to be health and wealth related. And that's not I'm, not, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying we shouldn't be so focused on only those personal matters. Because if you survey the scripture's prayers, the prayers of Paul, the prayers of Peter, the prayers of Jesus, what you'll find is that there, is some pray, there are prayers about health and about um, certain things like that. But that's not the majority. And so I think our most passionate prayers should be about spiritual matters, about salvation and transformation, about forgiveness and cleansing from sins, because these are eternal matters. I mean, we, we pray, you know, I have four grandchildren. We pray for all four of our grandchildren. And, you know, we, you know we have special Graham who has some physical problems and we, we pray diligently for that. But, you know, I, I pray that God would save their souls and call their lives. Because, you know what? Perfect health on earth without eternity in heaven, that's a short period. That's a short period. So we need to be praying for eternal matters for each other, don't we? Not merely temp temporary problems that do occur in this world. I mean, does anybody doubt we have problems in this world? Are we promised them? Yes. But this world's fading away. So let's don't put all our attention on something that's disappearing by the day. First John two seventeen. The context of Paul's call to prayer in this passage is spiritual warfare. And so he's urging us to pray for victory in spiritual battle against Satan, who is the enemy of our souls. Ask for protection from spiritual attack. Request from God strength to resist temptation for yourself and for others. It's interesting, isn't it, that what, what do you think is the most commonly known prayer? And I'm, you know, the Lord's Prayer. But, but how does the Lord's Prayer toward the end, what does it say? Keep us from temptation and deliver us from evil. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Are we praying that way? Keep me from temptation 
and deliver me from evil. Do you pray? What do you pray about mostly? About spiritual concerns or about practical concerns? And do you pray for yourself mostly? Or do you pray for others? It ought to be both. Both and. Prayer in the spirit prepares the armor of God for assault. I'm just gonna survey all of these, all this armor fairly quickly. But look at James 4 behind me. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. It's in coming and staying close to God in prayer. And again, I'm talking about unceasing prayer, that connection. Through the presence of his spirit that enables us to resist Satan. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Can you discern the spirit in you during the week? You go to Marshall's, can you discern the spirit, what the spirit's doing in you? The spirit might like teal, I mean. But the spirit's always active. Are we, are we connected to the spirit within us? Which means connected with God who remains with us. And the spirit provides protection from God to deflect these attacks by the devil and his demons. And each of these individual protections, these are are theological matters, but they're, they're descriptions of aspects of what God has given us. That's what the armor of God is. And so they're each symbolized as an individual piece of armor that's activated, empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. The spirit in prayer first confirms truth throughout my life. So that's putting on what? The belt of truth. And where in the belt of truth is being sensitive to the spirit confirming truth and exposing inconsistencies within me between my beliefs and my behavior. Is there a gap between my profession and my practice? Because having spiritual and personal integrity will prevent Satan from first exploiting this weakness in my life where I'm not holding on to truth. So he'll tempt me in an area where I'm willing to step away from what's true. But then he'll always follow that up with a guilt-causing accusation. Revelation 12, 10. The Spirit also convicts us of sin to increase our holiness. And what piece of armor is that referred to as? Breastplate of righteousness, very good. So strapping on the breastplate of righteousness includes knowing that I have been declared, what? Perfectly righteous, which means right with God. Do you know you're perfectly right with God? And what's that called theologically? Somebody said it over here. That's justification. It's a judicial declaration clearing you of all offense. This is your standing before God. Perfect. 
absolutely perfect. But it's also, righteousness is also experienced through regeneration of the spirit so that once you've been born again, and again, this is what I'm talking about, why the spirit's essential. This isn't knowing the facts or the information of the gospel. That's the start. But the activation of of righteousness in your life is when the Spirit of God regenerates you. And that's being born again. And once you've been born again, you can never be rejected by God regardless of what you do. I've made some of you nervous even saying that. But if that makes you nervous, you don't understand what you've received. You hear me? That may be an object of spiritual attack in your life to weigh you down in guilt. And Satan will say that. Satan will whisper to you, oh, you think you're perfect? What do you, how do you respond to that? Satan says, you think you're perfect? How do you respond? Yes, I'm absolutely perfect. Now get away. The Spirit also increases my practical righteousness, and that's called what? Sanctification, and that occurs progressively as we become more like Jesus. But it occurs not by you trying harder. See, we miss it when we think it's just, it's just human willpower. This is not from human willpower. This is from the Spirit of God working inside, cutting some things out, eliminating some things, changing the way we respond. It doesn't happen by you, it happens to you. But it's called sanctification. And the way it happens is we stay continually connected to God through prayer. But I know there's some things I'm doing that aren't right. Yeah, but you know what? You're miserable about it now. And remember when you weren't? That's sanctification. That's sanctification. But the demonic forces, they're going to jump up and down trying to shame you. It's one of Satan's best tools for professing Christians. Guilt and shame. The Spirit confers readiness to witness courageously. And this represents, is represented by what bit of armor? Shoes of peace. And so you lace them on. Lace on the shoes of peace. And that means being motivated, being ready to tell your spiritual story. Being equipped by the Spirit to communicate the gospel prevents you from becoming passive and fearful in your faith. Think about it. If there's somebody at work you're trying to share your faith with, look what that does in you. You avoid that complacency which keeps you from being susceptible to Satan's threats to Satan's temptation because you're motivated to reach. So it's readiness. 
the spirit in prayer also convinces us to trust God's promises. And this is represented by what bit of armor? Shield of faith, holding up the shield of faith represents gripping the many promises of God, which the Spirit guarantees. So then we can reject doubts about God that are suggested by Satan and his soldiers. As we pray, the Spirit reminds us of God's faithfulness to us. So we can deflect those fiery arrows from the devil that seek to cause us to question God's care for us. See, if you can get to the place that you can say God doesn't care about us, guess what? That frees you from not caring about God. God's spirit also cultivates hope of eternal life. And this is which piece of armor? Helmet. Helmet sits on the head. This is a mental, a thought issue, feelings and thoughts. Wearing the helmet of salvation means that we strongly believe we're headed for heaven, which enables us to refuse the devil's attempt to redirect our attention to this life's difficulties. Everybody has them. And if you don't have one today, it's coming. That's part of living in this life and it drives us to dependence on God. As we pray, the Holy Spirit helps us see that this world's problems and pains, to see them from an eternal perspective. It lifts our eyes so we can focus on eternal reward instead of this world's sorrow. The Holy Spirit converts Bible verses into weapons for specific uses. And this is what piece of armor? Sword of the Spirit. Spirit. Taking up the sword of the Spirit represents the Spirit illuminating verses of the Bible so they become supernatural weapons for engaging in spiritual warfare. The Holy Spirit will remind us of particular verses that apply powerfully in specific situations to deflect the deceitful attacks of Satan. Have you had that experience? You're, you're, you know, it feels like you're getting down or fearful or angry. It's like something falls on you, like a cloud. And then you'll be reminded of a verse that reassures you of the love of God and your hope for eternity. The Spirit's hard at work. Next week, we're going to review the full armor of God in a morning of worship. And so there'll be a little bit of teaching. There'll be a lot more singing and worship. And then we'll close with the Lord's Supper. So I urge you to come and be part and once more we'll be reminded of the armor of God given to us to resist the attack of Satan. Now as we close, I'm gonna call the church into a business meeting. Last week you received a proposal from the strategic planning team and the advisory team, the leadership of our church. 
and they are making a recommendation that Brian Jones be called as the next senior pastor. He has not been called, so he has not accepted a call. One hasn't been issued until you or if you affirm this recommendation. If you, re if you affirm this recommendation, this proposal, please stand. We'll let you know when Brian may arrive. There are, there, this is an overwhelming majority in this room. Uh, and we will contact him later. If you want to talk to uh, team members who worked, they believe worked with God, listen to God, they'll be out in the concourse. And as we contact him, I would urge you not to post it until uh, sometime in December because his pastor is away and he wants to be able to give notice to his church, assuming he accepts this call. So they will be there. There will be care volunteers here at the front and they'll also be in the care connection room. Father, you give us your armor to, to do battle with Satan who not only hates you but hates us. Lord, I pray that we would be strong in you and we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit that we might find victory in this spiritual battle. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for the podcast this week. For your spiritual practice, set aside five to 10 minutes a day to open your heart and mind to the presence of the Holy Spirit. In our next episode, we re-examine the armor of God that protects us in spiritual warfare and celebrate the Lord's Supper. To prepare, review Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. Thanks for subscribing to this podcast. And if you like what you hear, leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thank you.